Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? What's up? There we go. What's up, everybody? My name is Joey. Let's welcome all of our locations, our online community. Hello, everybody. Listen, we're doing all we can for here to stay. Therefore, I have now shaved my head. This is my debut. Bold, bald, beautiful. And also, for relevancy's sake and uh, for the kids, I even have an accessory. Hold on. You like that? You like that? I know it's an adjustment, but here we are. Here we are, all for here to save. And because I was here to, here to stay. And you know what I'm saying. All right, uh, let's get into God's word. You guys ready for God's word today? Amen. Listen, uh, real quick, before we get into it, uh, this Wednesday, very important, this Wednesday, we have Advanced Commitment Night. Uh, doors open at 630. Uh, we'll have some food. There'll be kids ministry. And uh, it's really important. Here's what it is. There's commitment cards on your seat, or if you're online, you can download it on our website. Uh, the goal for Advanced Commitment Night is for those who are ready. Those who are ready to say, I know exactly what my commitment is. God spoke to me. You're going to join our leaders, our elders, our staff. That is the night we're committing. You know that nobody, uh, everyone on our staff, our board, our elders, everyone had to be committed before we brought it to our church. And so this night, uh, we're all committed. If you want to be a leader in this, if you already know, we want to invite you to join us for Advanced Commitment Night. We'll be at our new Port Richmond Espanol facility. It's going to be really cool. Uh, It's not finished yet, okay? So we might give you a hard hat, all right? But uh, we'll get through the night. It'll be awesome. You'll get a lot of great vision as to what buildings can be for us. So that's going to be great. Uh, And uh, that's this Wednesday. Also, I want to show you uh, our gift chart. All right. Just to remind you, for those who don't know what we're doing here to stay, we're spending the next couple years seeking out purchasing facilities. And this is basically what it would take. Uh, You can see some radical, crazy gifts, uh, you know, as to what's going to happen. We're trying to, including our regular giving, bring in over $6 million over the next two years. It seems crazy, doesn't it? But that's what faith is. Uh, And it's also what happens when everybody gets involved. If you see the bottom, it says ultimate goal, 100% participation from children, students, adults. If everybody gets involved, we can do this in Jesus' name. Uh, But we look at that and we go, how is this possible? Well, today I'm going to teach you how it can happen. All right, so let's go to God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. I love this passage. It's so good. Bible says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Somebody say grace. The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up in rich generosity. Can we just stop there for a second and acknowledge the oxymoron we're reading? A lot of joy, a lot of poverty turns into generosity. 
I just want you to understand that the scriptures are very clear that uh, giving and poverty are not exclusive. That, that, that generosity is for all at every stage. And it's interesting that it's their joy, joy in the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength that compels them to be what God calls them to be. Verse three, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us. Listen, this is so beautiful. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. I am believing in Jesus' name here to stay is going to exceed our expectations. They gave themselves first. Somebody say first. First of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. This scripture is so powerful because these people are the same kind of people we are. It doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. Here's what God's looking for. He's not looking for a specific amount. He's looking for a sacrifice. These people in a dire situation are going, you know what? Our greatest joy is to give back because God gave to us. And so though we are in severe poverty, though we are in a specific trial, we will give and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. See, the first church, the early church, I should say, that started thousands of years ago, one of the main ways that they were distinguished between those who didn't know God and the people of the way was their generosity. It was their economic outlook because Christians, early Christians, what they did is they gave sacrificially. They shared what they had. Stuff and money did not have a hold on them. The reason followers of Jesus were so different is because fundamentally the message of Jesus is about grace. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. It's you were given something and because that was deposited in you, you can't help but then return it. It's Jesus on the cross dying for you, dying for your sin, even though you didn't deserve it. And because of that, you're now compelled to live your life for him. That's grace. Most religious constructs are built around good works, get stuff. Morals, I'll be okay. But the kingdom of God is not built on those things. The kingdom of God is built on grace. That I'm saved not because of what I do, not because of how hard I try, not because of the perfect life that I've lived. No, it's the opposite. Because I can't, he can. Because I didn't deserve it, he loved me. Anyway, while I was yet a sinner, he gave me grace. You'll get it. He gave me grace. The message of Jesus is that you're set free because of grace. Now, when it comes to generosity, nobody becomes a generous person through guilt, manipulation, coercion. One of the things I love about our generation, and we're hard to love sometimes, is that we're going to smell inauthenticity. We're going to sniff it out. We can't, I can't, as a preacher, I can't get away with that. 
But, but because of that, there is a, there's a responsibility for us as leaders to be authentic and real. And because of that, I cannot, nor do I want to, manipulate you into doing something that God's not asked you to do. Ephesians 2.8 says that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. In other words, grace revolutionizes our attitudes towards money, possessions, and each other. It gives us a new relationship with stuff. If you've experienced the grace of God in your life, when God asks you for something, your heart begins to melt. And while it may not be easy to return to God, it may not be easy to give something back to God, there is a divine desire inside of you when you've experienced grace that how can I not return and respond to the one who gave me everything? But for those who've not fully walked into the grace of God or experienced the grace of Jesus in your life, when we talk about things like money, it makes you really uncomfortable. When we talk about generosity, it kind of annoys you and bothers you. Because you know why? Because you have a focus and a desire, all of us do on some level, is we actually worship security. And what, what grace is, is, is grace reminds us that apart from God, we actually aren't secure. And so everything in our life when returned to him is better in his hands than it is ours. Grace changes your attitude. It changes your relationships. It changes your worldview. It changes your willingness to forgive those who did things to you that were unforgivable. Grace changes your parenting, your marriage, your thinking, your acting, your living, your being. Now I want to ask you an important question, a measurable one. How has grace changed your giving? How has grace changed your generosity, how you handle resources? Because all throughout the Bible, friends, listen to me. You cannot escape this. All throughout the Bible, when somebody has an encounter with God, their response was to be generous. It's because they experienced radical grace. A lot of what we like to do these day and age this day and age, is we, we like to compartmentalize our Christianity. We really do like the idea of God's word being a buffet. I like this. I feel this. I want this. I'm ignoring this. I don't want that. And so because of that, what we do is we stay drinking milk instead of eating meat, and we miss out on God's best for our life. When you experience God's grace, what happens is, is it melts your heart. And nothing, nothing is off the table for God. You know what grace does? Grace says this, God, you have my yes. You have my yes. And so because of that, I, I want to help you understand if you're graced to give today. And the, the, the truth is this, is, you are grace to give. The question is, is are you living and receiving in that grace? Are you acting in that grace? And so I want to preach a message today. I'm going to title it, Graced to Give. Graced to Give. And that's what we have to wrestle with today. While all of us are graced to give, not all of us are living in that grace. And it is yours for the taking and the receiving. You believe that today if you do say yes? 
So I want to ask you four important questions today. This is going to help you know, am I grace to give? Am I living in that grace? Here's number one. Have you settled the issue of ownership? One person said, hmm. Have you settled the issue of ownership? This is what it means, and this is how you know God has your heart. Everything I own is on loan. Well, what I mean by that is, and this is not just a money thing, but like, hey, my kids are not actually my kids. They're God's. My marriage, my wife is actually not really mine alone. She's God's first. She's his daughter first. And yes, including my house, it's his. Every inch of my home, God, use it for your glory. My cars, my stuff, all the things that I have, is it on loan or do you own it? And a lot of us, probably in our own religious attitude and response would go, of course it's God's, but then when God asks for it, are you willing to give it? If we don't accept this and we don't agree with this, then we are fundamentally disagreeing with really the whole principle of the scriptures. Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So, so that's a question. If the, if the earth is the Lord's and, and everything in it, then also the things that you have, you've received, it's his too. But in our own pride, in our own, in our own self-worship, in, in this, this world of Christian Buddhism, all this stuff, a lot of times in our own pride, we go, no, I mean, I've worked really hard for this. And while that's true, Deuteronomy 8 tells us that God literally gives you the power and the ability to gain wealth. So don't be so prideful to think that because your body moves today, it might move tomorrow. Every single day of your life is a gift. Your life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you. Just trying to remind you that everything I have, from the sunlight to the rain, from breath in my lungs, my body working, my mind going, every day is a gift that it was only given by the creator of life. And because of that, because of that, yeah, yeah I worked hard but God gave me the ability to work hard. Yeah, I was savvy, but God gave me my brain. Yeah, I thought well. That's because I have the mind of Christ. David, the most rich person in the world at this point, First Chronicles 29, he basically says, wealth and honor comes from you alone, Lord, for you rule over everything. This is the most wealthy person in the world at this point, knowing and acknowledging that he owns it all. God doesn't need or want our money, guys. He wants us. But a lot of times we are hidden behind the security of the dollar bill. And it's just the truth. Second question that you've got to ask, and this is a tough one. This is, I even think this is harder than, uh, than the first one, is am I practicing contentment? Am I practicing contentment? And make no make mistake about it, friends. Listen to me. Contentment is an art. It is a practice. Our culture is constantly making us aware of all the things we do not have. But the practice of contentment is simple. I look at what I have and I find a way to be thankful for it. Now, I'm not saying it is wrong 
I'm not saying it's even sin to desire more or work for more. Absolutely not. That is innate. That's God-given. We're meant to hunt. We're meant to go. We're meant to work. All those things. So it is good for you to advance and go from glory to glory. However, if in your pursuit of happiness, you are not content with your current state, you've got a problem. It's a lot of times why single people settle and marry the wrong person because they see everybody else's wedding photos and say, when's it going to be my time? And they marry Bozo the Clown (laughs) instead of waiting for Prince Charming. Now, I want to clarify, Prince Charming isn't always Prince Charming on arrival. He's got a little Bozo in him, but he's not full Bozo. (laughs) Everybody's a work in progress, and ladies, so are you too. Amen. Okay. All I'm saying is, is, is we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry and, and we're not like, hey, like, like you got too many red flags, bro. And our premarital, married, you know, pre-engagement, all the counseling, did, no, there was no hope after the red flags. But I'm lonely. Contentment is a secret weapon. Some of you got more clothes and more shoes than, you know, the average millionaire. Because you want to look like one, not be one. They always make fun of me. They always make fun of me. One thing about me, I will, I will wear something and drive something until it is undrivable, unwearable. I don't care. Just don't care what you think. I will, I will. I will drive up for dinner to a fancy restaurant in a 1998 Toyota Corolla. I don't care. And I'm not saying all the things are bad. I'm just saying you got to find a way with, to be good with what you got. Paul writes this in first. Oh, wait, I want to tell this joke. (laughs) Listen to this one. Who's more content? The person with a million dollars or the person with four kids? Four kids, why? They don't want no more. (laughs) And the, the fourth one was a mistake. Oops. Okay, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an illustration because I, you know what I thought? I thought, I thought hey, when we get to a thousand people, when we, get, when we have a million dollar budget, man, we're going to be good. I used to tell our elders that we're going to, and, and some of them who know me real well said, stop it. You know, when we get there, you're going to go, all right, it's time to reset, time to grind for more. Let's go, more people to reach. And again, while it's true that there is an innate good desire for more, you still got to smell the roses. I want to encourage you to smell the roses. Can't sustain more if you're not grateful for what you have. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we got food and clothing with these, we will be content. My heart goes out to the people in Florida. 
uh, through all this hurricane and Puerto Rico and all these different places. I was talking to my parents who live in Orlando. They haven't had uh, electricity for, for days. And, um, you know, you know I, but we just kept laughing because we're like, hey, there's no flood in the house and we got food and water and the food's going quickly because the refrigerator's not on. But like at the end of the day, we're good. We're good. And, and I think we just forget that line, we, we bring nothing in, we take nothing out. And some of us, our whole life is this, where we, we, we came into the world with nothing, we grew up with nothing. And so we've spent our whole adulthood seeking stuff. We're gonna get to our grave and we're not gonna leave anything behind. We're not gonna leave a legacy. We're gonna try to, go, we're gonna try to lay in that grave with a Gucci bag and, and, and the, the newest Jordans, man, make sure when I die, I got the right shoes on. But it's like the next generation's missing out on your whole life because your pursuit is stuff. Most of us spend our whole lives accumulating the wrong things. And what I want to tell you is this. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving, when, it trusting, when it's trusting God with your resources, friends, Here's two things you will experience, and it happens every time in my life. You will experience two things. You will have experiences from God that are miraculous, and you will have stories to tell that people won't believe. And over the next few weeks, I'll share some of the, the crazy things God has done in Lauren and my life because of generosity, because of our obedience, because of God's grace and love on us. And I'm just telling you, when I get to the end of my life, if I keep living this life of faith, Paul, at the end of his life, he, he goes, I was a life poured out. I ran the race. I, I finished. He's got stories and experiences. And I may not have it all, but I will tell it all. And I, and I have my kids and my grandkids and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll do well by the end of our life. But what I'm more concerned about is us sitting around and me telling them real stories of God's faithfulness in our life and our ministry. Just this week, just this week, I got two checks in the mail that were substantial checks and they were random. And one of them, one of them, was from something I was a part of almost a year ago that I didn't even, there was no, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. It showed up last night. And I was like, how does this happen? And God's like, I just wanted to remind you before you got up there to remind them that I always provide more seed for the sowers. Those who are willing to sow, I will provide the seed over and over again. It's God's grace. I'm graced to give because I believe and I'm living in this grace. The question is, are you? Is he the owner? Are you content? Are you pursuing a happiness that you'll never find? Remember the story of the rich young ruler? At some point in his life, he becomes the rich old ruler. He stands there before Jesus and Jesus is like, come on, man, follow me, follow me, follow me. And he's like, I, and Jesus is like, but by the way, sell all your stuff, give it to the poor. And he's like, I can't do that. That's, that's too much of a cost. But what, what, what the rich young ruler was not thinking about, and maybe later on in his, on his deathbed, what he heard about was Jesus' followers. They walked around and they saw the dead come back to life. 
They walked around and they saw the deaf begin to hear. They walked around and they, they saw the, the, those who were blind see and the lame walk. And they walked on water and they, they saw thousands and thousands of people be fed from very little. They saw miracles. They lived a life that cannot be defined in stuff. And I just wonder if that rich old ruler just laid in his bed going, man. Is it really worth all this to miss out on all that? Don't let that be you. The third question I want to ask is this. Have I confronted my fears? Have I confronted my fears? Now, now, do not let the enemy distract you in this moment because this is really where it gets to the heart of the matter. I don't want to put the scripture up, but Jesus is in the temple. There's rich people throwing their money in. And, and then there's this widow who drops two small coins in. And it was everything she had. And Jesus is basically like, guys, look, this, friends, is generosity. This is giving. This is sacrifice. The, the, the rich had even more. But, but this woman, she gave everything. What, what Jesus is saying is twofold. He's going, hey, your financial state does not determine your responsibility to be generous. What I'm looking for is not amount. I'm looking for sacrifice. The rich folks in the story did not sacrifice. They gave off the surplus. The, 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 the poor widow gave everything. And Jesus was illustrating his whole principle that I want you, I want your heart, I want your mind, I want your body, I want your security, I want all of it. When I have that, I can do something with your life. I've noticed, friends, that the more we have, and the more we're responsible for, the more fear, fearful we are to let it impact us, for us to give. I'll be honest with you. I, it, I'm thankful for the, for the patterns that I grew up with and that I have because as we started to add kids into the mix and, and they need like lots of diapers and clothes now. My wife's like, we, we gotta have, they, got, they need winter clothes. I'm like, why? Just bundle them up. It's just like, it's like unnecessary, well, it's necessary stuff, I guess, to her. When I look at stuff, I'm going, man, we're, we're giving a lot and got a lot to take care of now. You, you know what I, I was reminded of? I was reminded that a lot of times our fears are connected to our loves, our desires, what makes us feel secure. And friends, this is exactly what Jesus is getting at. He wants the very deep places of you that make you feel secure because what that is, is it's a false idol. I find security in my money. I find security in my house. I find security in my resources. I find security in my job. I find security in all these things. And, 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 and like it, in our own strength, yes, it does. It provides security. But when it becomes what we lean on, it's an idol. And, and God's, God's going, listen to me. I've got to be the solid rock on which you stand. Everything else is shifting Shaking, sinking, stand, sand. 
I want to ask you an insane question. This is nuts. Even freaks me out to ask it, but I want to ask you this. Are you willing to give everything away? I mean, I'm not just talking about what's in your checking account or savings account or your failing crypto accounts. I'm not just talking about your little fun rise where you put $5 a month. I'm talking about your retirement, your stocks, your brokerage, some of you with your offshore accounts. Who's got one of those? See, our tendency when we hear stuff like that is to go, well, doesn't the Bible tell me to leave an inheritance? Don't I need to provide for my family's welfare? And yeah, you should and you do. And But I'm asking a different question. Are you, are you willing, if God said, if he has your yes, if he said, I want it all, are you willing to give it all? And the tension I'm trying to create by asking this question is this, everybody has a threshold when it comes to giving. Whether it's a dollar amount, a percentage, a property, there are some giving levels that are effortless for some and others that make us extremely uncomfortable. And here's the thing about generosity. It is in direct conflict with self-preservation. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And there's a point, friends, at which all of us start to think, if I'm too generous, it's going to pose a direct threat to my well-being. But friends, generosity is not about being responsible. <laughs> it's about being obedient. In fact, generosity in a, in a natural sense, in a, in a worldly sense, giving is irresponsible. But in the kingdom, it's an attitude that says God's voice is going to be louder than the what ifs. Oh, a couple people clapping here. Just four or five. Because it's sensitive. It's messing with us. That, that's what it's about. And you're going, well, what if? What if interest rates change? Too late. What if inflation is insane? Too late. What if I lose my job? I don't know. What if I have an emergency like my air conditioning breaks in the summer? Oh, wait, that happened to me already. What if? What if? What if? What if? Our focus is wrong. We're focusing on our fears. What if? What if? What if we ask this question? He is? What is? What could God do? That's the better question. It's we've got to bury what if. It's faith over fear. It's faith over this false sense of security. And I'm not saying, friends, don't save. I'm not saying give everything you got. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying, what if God speaks to you something that makes you uncomfortable? Does he have your yes? I want to help you overcome your fears. These were, these were real data points asked to non-givers and givers. And I saw this and this is so fascinating. Question asked, how often do you worry about meeting normal expenses? Well, givers worry 18% less. Safety, food, and housing, givers worry 16% less. Your health ratings, well, givers were rated 16% higher than non-givers. Your mental health. 
Givers were rated 19% higher. I desired Jesus to be first in my life. Givers were almost 30% higher than non-givers. The Bible has authority in my life. Givers were 25% higher. Relationships that are satisfying and I'm content. Givers were rated 21% higher. What you do is worthwhile in your life. Givers were rated 18% higher. Understanding your purpose in life. Givers were rated 21% higher. Do you see the pattern? See, when you go to a job that you're frustrated with and that you hate, when you receive the paycheck as a giver, it gives purpose to the pain. I want to ask one more question. And I need to be practical here. Have I determined to make the kingdom of God priority in my life? Matthew 6, 21, we've been over it, but wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. See, again, God is not in the business of trying to get your money. He doesn't need it. He's trying to get your heart. Dead religion says give to get. Kingdom says give to give because God's going, you can't outgive me, child. If you don't prioritize your generosity, God will not truly have your heart. You cannot keep part of God's promises and throw out the other parts. I want to help you make a biblical plan for generosity. Here's how you do it. First and foremost, you got to give back to God first. For most people, here's what we do. We spend, we save. Then if there's any left over, we give. But the kingdom flips that upside down. The kingdom says, I give, I save, I spend. And for some, it might take a while to get there, but this is the way to live. I give first, I save next, I spend after that. From a spiritual perspective, every time that you give God first, what you're communicating to yourself, to the enemy, and to God is that I have faith. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, not then, but then, your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Some of you haven't experienced that because you've not tasted and seen and, tr- seen and tried and tested the Lord in this. Next thing you got to do is you got to give God a percentage. The Old Testament, there is what we call the tithe. It's 10%. It's the first of everything that comes in you give back through your temple, through your church. That's what the Old Testament says. But many would go, oh, that's Old Testament. But in Matthew and Luke, I see Jesus endorsing this. But when we're talking about grace, Acts 2 takes tithing to a whole other level. They're selling their possessions. They're giving everything. So the question is, is you want to do 10% or you want to do the whole Acts 2 thing? I'm down for Acts 2 if you are. But the point is this, is, is grace is a whole other level. Jesus is like, you look at a woman lustfully, pluck your eyes out. Right? The, the point and the metaphor there is, amen, grace is not some swipe the credit card of grace and get by and sin here and do this. And I got grace. No, grace is like, I got a higher standard. I've got a higher calling. Now I can have the Holy Spirit that uses me and works for me. I can see miracles. God, can you? Grace is like, whoa, he just went up a notch. I believe this. Here's what I believe. I believe the tithe is relevant. Lauren and I, 
we give 10% back through. We actually don't even consider tithing giving. We consider tithing returning. That's what we believe. We, we return the first 10% and then it's not until we give above that that we're actually giving. You might disagree. My encouragement to you is get there or and start somewhere. I wanna show you our giving ladder. So we asked how this is possible. Well, for, for some over the next two years, even today, you're gonna take a step to be a first time giver and it's gonna freak you out, but God's gonna show you himself faithful. For others, you're gonna become an intentional giver. That might mean setting up reoccurring giving and it's starting somewhere being consistent. For others, you're gonna take a step to be obedient, to be a tither. I personally think you should just jump there, but some won't, so I'm giving you some steps. But you're gonna be a tither, consistent, and then others are gonna be radical and you're gonna become an extravagant giver. And God's promises and favor at that level are unimaginable. So how does it happen? Well, I wanna show you your commitment card that you're gonna turn in on October 23rd or at our advanced commitment night. You can throw the giving card up. This is John Doe. John lives at our offices. John is an intentional giver. He gives $100 a month, but after listening to this supreme sermon, John's like, I'm gonna be a tither. I make $5,000 a month. I'm gonna give an additional 400 and make that $500 a month. And over the next two years, I'm gonna give $12,000. But not just that, I've got this extra money from uh, this uh, incident that happened and I, and I got this extra money. I'm gonna out of stored assets, I'm gonna give an additional 5,000, which takes me to a total of 17,000 over two years. And all of a sudden, John's going, wow, I'm a part of this thing. And some of you that thought this was daunting when we looked at the giving chart are now going, oh, I see how this could work. It's going to take everybody. Now, if I've not convinced you at this point, I know Mickey will. And I'm not, not Mickey Mouse. I'm going to show you Mickey's story from Port Richmond. It's powerful, guys. Take it away. Even though I was, I have a good relationship with God, church just wasn't good for me. Until I got a door hanger that invited us to the block church. When I saw that opportunity, I said, you know what? We're gonna try out this church and see what happens. Um, we came to the block church and initially, um, I think one of the sermons that I first heard um, Pastor Joey preach was having to do with tithing. And I literally did the eye roll thing because, you know, they want you to give what you don't have. How do you give what you don't have when you live paycheck to paycheck? And, you know, you use credit cards to pay bills and you rob Peter to pay Paul. Nothing is more real than having a kid come to you and say, Mom, can we get this? And you have to say, no, not today or maybe next time. Um, even simple little things that you might say, well, anybody can afford an ice cream cone. No, sometimes you just can't afford that ice cream cone. Having and not being able to always provide everything for my children, it sometimes led me to believe that I was failing them. When the federal shutdown happened, I was devastated. Um, when you live paycheck to paycheck, and all of a sudden you don't have one. I knew at that moment that I had to do something and was so happy to discover um, 
black groups and financial peace was a class that was offered at that time and I was so grateful for that because I was able to jump right in. My first budget showed that I started the month every month at negative $850. Eventually, I was able to get my finances in order and start giving God the first of my fruits. So the first thing I do every time I get paid now is do my tithe. I remember thinking back um, that I was giving God my best when I was only giving him my leftovers. Um, you know, if I have $5 left, here you go. Um, do what you can with that because that's all I have. It's not just giving, it's knowing what your giving does, what it provides to other people. I actually got promoted um, during the pandemic and that just was amazing. On a day-to-day, -day, I see the different blessings that, that come through my life. Now I can do things without having to second guess or question, you know, am I gonna be able to afford this? I'm a single mom, I have five kids. I prioritized my tithe every week faithfully, and I currently prioritize here to stay. And if I can do it, you can do it too. Come on, wasn't that powerful? As I close this, I just want to illustrate faith over fear for a moment. Because many of you are Mickey's story. You're here today and you're going, man, this is scary. And I get it. I don't want to, I don't want to delegitimize your concerns. What I'm trying to show you is like, God's really faithful. He promises to open the windows of heaven on your life, but faith takes two to play. And, and so for some of you, you're going to in this series, you're going to take that first step of being a first time giver, even today, maybe. And it's going to freak you out and you're going to like, God, how? But like, he's going to show himself faithful. And, 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 and the, the, the sooner you just do it, you're going to see how good God really is. For others, you're going to actually be an intentional giver. You're going to set up reoccurring giving in and by faith every other Friday. And you're just going to go, okay, God, like, whoa, this is a little creepy, but it's a little nice up here. And then there are those of you who are going to go, okay, finally, God, you can have my obedience. You can have my yes. And, and I'm, I'm, you're going to jump up to that tithing part and you're going to go, oh my goodness, just like I'm doing right now. Because <laughs> I got to go first. If I'm not scared, you know, about it, you know, then why should I ask you to do it? And what I'm saying is, is here, here we are. And it, it does, it freaks you out. It's like, God, man, 10% of everything. Do you know how expensive gas is and groceries are? And do you know how expensive? And God's like, yes, I know, but I'm still God and you're not. And I make miracles happen. I'm still the one who took the fish and the loaves and fed more. I'm still the one who does miracles. That's still me. Don't you want to see? And those of you who are already there, God's stirring in your heart to go, trust me, trust me, watch me, watch me. I know you got dreams. I know you got plans, but I'm telling you, you want to live the crazy life. You want to live the biblical life. Come on, empty it out. Let me talk to me. What, what am I asking you to do? You have my yes. And you go all the way up to this extravagant giver level. And all of a sudden you're in the glory cloud where you're like, whoa, whoa. 
But this is where God takes you from glory to glory. And it's just like, all right, I better stop. But it's just like, this is, this is, the, pla- this is the place we all want to get to. And this is why I provided you the ladder because uh, look, I'm like, hey, just start tithing. But like, I- I'm not going to fight with you. You got to deal with God. I'm just giving you some steps, but like, this is where I want to live. I want to live with the crazy, radical, like, all right, God, like, okay, I'm making plans, but at the end of the day, you got the final word. And like, I'm just going to trust you because at the end of my life, I want experiences and I want stories. Come on, let's give God a praise today. Come on, I didn't die today. And you won't either. Come on, let's stand to our feet every location. Every person, would you bow your head and close your eyes? as little movement as possible. There's some of you that you need to prioritize the kingdom in your giving. You can start today. Our fund won't change until the end of October, but you can start today. But there are others of you that you haven't prioritized your soul. I mean, you hear my voice, whether it's online or at a location, and you're like, man, I got to get right with God. Today's the day. Now is the time. Grace is here to receive you. And so if you're far from God or it's been a long time or you've never invited Jesus to be your leader and your Lord, now is the moment with every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm asking you that question. Do you need to get right with God? Do you need to begin a journey with God? If that's you in all of our locations online, right here broadcasting from the Northeast, if that's you and you gotta get right with God or begin a journey with God, would you wave at me right now? Come on, don't hesitate, don't wait. I see you, I see you, I see you see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Lift it up. Come on. No shame. No shame. We're coming to you. This is the best decision you could ever make. Prayer teams are moving at every location. Holy Spirit is here to talk to you, to rescue you, to save you. Come on, wave it at me. I'm going to get right with God. Don't wait. This is a holy moment. Your life is changing forever right now. I feel the presence of God here. I'm waiting for one more person saying, I got to get right with God. I got to be, begin a journey with God. Don't wait. Don't walk. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You're not promised that tomorrow. Come wave it at me. I want to set every location, even if you're at home. Can you say this out loud? Can we talk to Jesus? Can we say, Jesus? Thank you for the cross. Thank you for loving me. Please forgive me today. I need you. And I trust you as Savior. Raise me to new life like you were raised. Lead me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you are saved. Your best days are ahead. And well, it may not get easier, guys. It's going to get better. Come on, loud and proud. Let's give it up for all those who cross a lot of faith. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.